I'm Taylor, and welcome to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the TD Nutrition Podcast. Today's episode is all about fats. So this includes healthy fats and unhealthy fats. So fats, especially healthy fats, I find that they're less feared than fruits typically, and it really should be the other way around. Like people are very quick to jump on fruits and say, oh, you shouldn't eat too many fruits because of the sugar. You should only eat fruits in moderation. Yet if we're talking about healthy fats, no one jumps on healthy fats and says, hey, no, you should only eat healthy fats in moderation. Um... You know, it's kind of just fruit is the only one that has that reputation. And I find it really funny. And this is because consuming too many fats in your diet, and this includes healthy fats and trans fats. I mean, typically, no one should consume trans fats. Trans trans fats are very, very harmful. Um, So for the sake of everything I'm talking about, this is going to apply to healthy fats. So consuming too many healthy fats in your diet, it has a lot of negative, negative effects on our health from thickening our blood to brain fog to feeling like you're always hungry to bloating. Um, it harms the gallbladder. It causes blood sugar issues and it's dehydrating to our body. So when I'm referring to fats or healthy fats, I am referring to foods that are high in fat. This includes both plant-based and animal-based fat sources. So this includes meat like chicken, beef, pork. This includes fish. It includes ghee, milk, other dairy products because that does contain fat. This also includes nuts, nut butters, seeds, coconut oil, olive oil, all other oils. Uh, This includes avocado, soy. Although avocado is kind of an exception to the rule because avocado is first and foremost a fruit. It does contain natural sugar and then it also contains some fat. So I'm going to go through and talk about each of these negative effects in more detail so you know exactly what it is that fats do to cause this. So to get started, let's talk about fats and our blood. Diets too high in fat, protein, salt, and cooked foods leads to thick, dirty blood. And when our blood becomes thick and dirty, essentially, it prevents cleansing. And so when our blood can't cleanse because it's too thick, it allows pathogens to thrive and then toxins will continue to build up in the blood. And this leads to worsening of any health conditions that may be present. It can trigger or contribute to more health conditions um, and it can contribute to symptoms such as high blood pressure, strokes, headaches, migraines, dry eye syndrome, dark under eye circles, and skin issues like eczema, psoriasis, acne, or dermatitis. Having thick blood can make all the difference between someone having a serious health issue like a stroke or a heart attack. When your blood is thick, your heart has to work a lot harder to pump that thick blood throughout your body. 
thick blood also carries less oxygen. So the brain and all our other organs aren't getting adequate oxygen, which impairs their function. And I'm gonna talk more about um, how the less oxygen impairs brain function in a second. Um, but this is why you're more at risk for a stroke when you have thick blood, because you're not getting enough blood flow to your brain. And so to you know improve brain health and improve even heart health, you need to lower your fat intake. And this is gonna take stress off your heart because your heart then won't have to work as hard to pump that thick blood throughout your body. And then too, it becomes, the blood can become less dirty when you're eating less fats because then pathogens can't thrive and the blood is actually able to cleanse. So now we're gonna shift gears and talk about fats and brain health. Consuming a diet high in fat thickens your blood, as I just mentioned, and then it makes it so viruses, heavy metals, and other toxins are unable to be flushed out from the liver and the body. And this can fuel brain fog. So fat sources also stop critically needed glucose from entering the brain. And glucose, which is, yes, it's sugar, but it's our body's usable form of energy, is one of the most important parts of getting rid of brain fog. And this is because our brains need glucose to function. Our brains run on glucose. People will try to tell you that the brain runs on fats and you need fats for healthy brain function. This is not the case. You need glucose for healthy brain function. And so it's really important that you're eating enough glucose to have good, strong brain function and that you're not eating too many fats. So fats prevent the brain from getting the glucose that it needs. And like I mentioned, fats also prevent the proper amount of oxygen getting to the brain. And then when this happens, we can't think clearly and brain fog and focusing issues begin to settle in and they just continue to get worse and worse. And so some great ways to increase glucose in your diet um, that will also help your brain function um, is to bring in a lot of fruits, potatoes, winter squashes, and even sweet potatoes. So now let's talk about fats and the impact it has on our hunger. So a lot of times people get frustrated when it feels like they can just keep eating, that they never feel full. And it's frustrating because we may not know why we aren't filling up. And the reason for this is it has to do with your liver, that your liver is essentially starving. It's, it's in desperate need of clean glucose or clean carbohydrates. I prefer saying clean glucose because some people feel certain ways about carbohydrates, um, but either way would be fine um, to refer to that. But basically, when your liver is not getting enough glucose, it's, it's still hungry. Like you're still going to have this feeling of hunger because you're missing a key aspect of your diet. So your liver, it, it's, it doesn't want fat calories. It doesn't want fats. And most everyone is consuming high quantities of fats in their diet. No one is consuming enough clean glucose in their diet. And so, you know, something that would nourish your liver much more than a fat source is going to be fruits, carbohydrate-rich veggies, potatoes, sweet potatoes, winter squashes, kind of like the foods, same as the foods that I mentioned for, you know, helping with your brain health. And so it's the liver's need for glucose that drives this intense hunger that people may experience when they feel like that they can just keep eating and eating. 
And an, a, a liver that's fully healthy and functioning properly, it typically has built up glycogen reserves. And these reserves are in the tissue of the liver and they will fuel our body and keep the organ healthy in times where maybe we're lacking glucose or we need some extra glucose because we're sick or something like that. And glycogen is basically glucose. The liver will convert extra glucose into glycogen and store it for another time. And then when we do need it, it takes that glycogen, converts it back to glucose, and then is able to put it in our bloodstream. And most of us don't eat enough glucose on a daily basis to even have glycogen reserves built up in the liver. So we don't even have that, which then it's very easy to feel like we are always hungry versus if you start to really become aware of that and you start to eat a very glucose-rich diet, your liver is able to replenish that reserve. However, something to point out is when there is fat in the liver and fat in the blood from all of the high-fat foods that we're consuming, the liver is unable to access any glucose we do eat. And this is because fats block the absorption of glucose. And I am going to talk about this more when I address blood sugar and fats. Um, But the combination of fats and sugar are not a great combination. And when you're eating a diet so high in fat, it's still going to take a minute for your liver to kind of get rid of some of the fats that it has built up and get rid of the fats in our blood before it can start con- uh, absorbing glucose. And so sometimes when people lower their fat intake and they start eating more fruits and they don't immediately notice a difference, they get frustrated and they're like, oh, this isn't working for me. I need to go back to eating high fats. Like fruits are the problem. And fruits aren't the problem. It's just you need to give your body and your liver time to get rid of some of the fats that it's been holding on to because of all the fat you've been eating. And let it get rid of that so then you can start absorbing all the glucose from the fruits you're eating. And when the liver is forced to store fat instead because of all the fat you're eating and the lack of glucose, it loses its glycogen storage and then it begins to deteriorate. Deteriorate. Fats also inhibit glucose from entering the cells and other organs. So like I said, fats block the absorption of glucose. And so they can't, the glucose can't be absorbed by the cells and the other organs of our body. So then our whole body becomes basically glucose starved because it's unable to access the glucose that you are eating because you're eating so many fats. The heart, for example, is a muscle that requires glucose or it becomes weak. And so in this case, no matter if a person is incredibly fit and in good shape, he or she could eventually have a heart attack if their diet is too high in fat or too high in protein and not enough glucose. So this is something that's really important is sometimes, you know, people out of nowhere will have something with their heart um, and you really need to look at your diet. Is your diet super high in protein and fat and low in glucose? You need to make sure that your, your diet is high in glucose. This actually helps your heart health. So until the fat in your diet is lowered so that glucose can actually get into the liver and all your other cells, the liver will keep crying out for more of what it needs, which is going to be this clean source of glucose from fruits, from potatoes. And so this means that this constant hunger that you might be experiencing will continue unless you're increasing your glucose intake and lowering your fat intake. And once the liver gets a break from eating so many fats it and it's able to get enough glucose, 
then the constant hunger that you're experiencing will start to go away. So let's talk about bloating and fats. Bloating is most commonly caused by a diet that's too high in fat and or protein, whether it's healthy fats or unhealthy fats. And this causes liver burnout. And so when you have liver burnout, your liver is overworked and it becomes overworked from having to constantly overproduce bile in order to accommodate your diet that's so high in fat and high in protein. And so when the liver becomes overworked and it's burnt out, the stomach must in turn produce more hydrochloric acid in an effort to compensate for the reduction in the bile being produced. So basically what the stomach does is it tries to step in and do the job of the liver by trying to produce more hydrochloric acid to break the fats down. But hydrochloric acid is not designed to break down fats. Um, And so then you're kind of basically not having things being digested properly because the liver is not able to do it because it's basically burnt out and not able to produce the needed bile and then the stomach can't do it. And eventually this causes your stomach glands to become depleted and produce less hydrochloric acid to break down and digest proteins, all while the liver is becoming more sluggish, more stagnant. When hydrochloric acid isn't as strong, pathogens like bacteria or viruses, they can start to slip through and grow in your gut. And also, your hydrochloric acid can't break down fats as well, and it's not even supposed to be its primary job, like I mentioned, to break fats down. So then these unprocessed fats, they kind of start to cling to your intestinal tract and colon, and then it's basically feeding all of these pathogens and bad bacteria and viruses, and this leads to even more bloating and more discomfort. So fats and the gallbladder. When the liver is weakened, when it becomes overburdened and sluggish due due to too many fats in your diet, it creates issues for the gallbladder. And so what happens is over time, the liver starts to heat up more and more because it's overwhelmed by pathogens, toxins, adrenaline, and too much fat in the diet. And so when the liver becomes overheated from all of this going on, it can't produce bile as well. So then that means the bile can't break down the fats that you're eating, whether they're healthy fats or unhealthy fats, and whether it's animal fats or plant-based fats. And since the bile isn't doing its job, and then your hydrochloric acid is required to do more work, like I mentioned, so it tries to step in and the stomach produces more hydrochloric acid, it creates more stress. And so the gallbladder is closely related to the liver. And so what happens is the liver, being a naturally hotter organ in the body, and it becomes increasingly toxic and hotter because it's overheating essentially, it's kind of like pouring gasoline on the fire. And so then the liver, with all these toxins and things like heavy metals, so all of these things, it creates then a sludge in the overheated liver, and then this goes up into the gallbladder. And the gallbladder is a naturally cooler organ, and it has a very thin lining of fluid around it that keeps it cool. And so as this hot sludge coming from the liver begins to cool, it forms stones in the gallbladder. And so it can create gallstones, and then it can also create other issues with the gallbladder that maybe could lead to you needing to get your gallbladder removed. And so the reason that people then have issues with their gallbladder is really not even something wrong with their gallbladder itself, it's actually something wrong with the liver. The fact that the liver is overburdened and overheating and then 
the gallbladder is kind of like collateral damage in the whole process. Like the liver's just trying to process all the fats that you're eating and it just can't do it anymore. And then the gallbladder ends up being the one to kind of suffer for that. So now let's talk about blood sugar and fats. High fat and high protein diets are much more likely to put you at risk for insulin resistance and diabetes than a high carb diet would. High blood fat levels put a major strain on your liver, your pancreas, your adrenal glands, and all of those work together to manage your blood sugar levels. Your liver has to shoulder the burden of processing all the fat that you eat, so a high-fat diet can make the liver sluggish and unable to store and release glucose as it should. So like I mentioned, the liver should be able to store glucose by converting it to glycogen and then release it as we need it. And it's unable to do that properly if you're eating a diet that's high in fat. Excess fat burdens your pancreas because it needs to release enzymes to aid fat digestion. So then it's having to release so many enzymes to help with the fats. So it's never carbs or natural sugar things that are hurting the pancreas or hurting the liver. It's it's the fats. And when when blood fat level when blood fat levels are high, the adrenals flood the body with adrenaline. And while this increases digestive strength to help move the fat through your system, Excess adrenaline, it wears away at your pancreas. It's really corrosive to your pancreas, adrenaline is, as adrenaline is to most other things in our body. We don't really want a lot of adrenaline coming through our body or or being released. And so when the adrenaline is wearing at the pancreas, it reduces its ability to produce enough insulin to keep your glucose levels in check. And obviously this creates a lot of problems. High blood fat level blood fat levels can prevent glucose from then entering your cells. And this isn't to say that healthy fats need to be completely eliminated. You can still have some healthy fats. They just need to be consumed sparingly, especially if you're diabetic, if you have insulin issues, if you're hypoglycemic, fats really are something that you need to be focusing on. You don't need to be as worried about the fruits that you're eating or the potatoes or anything like that. And More often than not, you can reverse your diabetes by lowering your fat intake and increasing your fruit intake. And so when your blood sugar is not under control, it creates a massive strain on your adrenals as they struggle to produce more hormones to compensate. And while lower carb diets, they do have some benefits, keep in mind that your body still is always going to need clean glucose or clean carbohydrates for energy. And a diet that is too low in carbs is also going to strain your adrenals. And so sometimes people who are diabetic or who have blood sugar issues, they will switch to like a ketogenic diet, which is a high fat diet. And they notice that their symptoms go away. This is very common with keto diets. It kind of masks the symptoms of diabetes or insulin resistance, but they will eventually resurface and probably resurface worse than what they were. So you're better off actually trying to heal the symptoms, not mask the symptoms. And so ensuring that the carbs you're eating or the clean glucose that you're eating comes from nutritious food sources, something that, you know, is actually healthy, like fruits and vegetables, not something like pastries, candy, soda, fried foods, things like that. 
Regardless of what diet you adhere to, fat intake just needs to be moderated to avoid excessively high blood fat levels when you are dealing with prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. So for instance, if you eat a vegan diet, reduce the amount of fat that you take in from nuts, nut butters, seeds, oils, avocados, etc. If you are vegetarian, cut back on eggs, dairy, nuts, seeds, oils, avocado, If your diet includes animal protein, cut back to one serving of meat per day. Even lean meats contain a good amount of fat. You don't realize it, but they do. Scaling back on fats helps ease the burden on your pancreas, your liver, and your adrenal glands, which goes a long way toward preventing or even healing diabetes. If you want to maintain a high-fat diet, which that may normalize your A1C levels in the short term, but not the long term. It's really important to limit your carb intake as a diet that's both high in fat and carbs will tax your body systems a lot more. But ultimately, reducing your dietary fat and including more clean sources of glucose, aka healthy carbs, is that's going to give you the best shot at healing from diabetes and keeping your A1C levels in a healthy range on a permanent basis. So I can't tell you how many times people love to chime in and say, well, when I was eating fruit, my, you know, my glucose levels were so high or my insulin went up. It is normal for insulin or blood blood sugar to spike when we eat something. That is the normal process of our body. It spikes and it comes back down. The problem is, is when you're eating too many fats and you have, and your blood sugar goes up, when it comes back down, it's going to drop down past normal. And then you're going to have this major crash. That's, you don't want that. You want to have a solid baseline. You're going to have a rise and it's going to come back to baseline. That's what you want. And that's what you want over a consistent basis. And you can achieve that with, with eating lots of fruits as long as you're keeping your fat intake low. And typically when people hear that that's possible, they often get really excited. Sometimes I'll come across people who still, you know, want to argue and say, oh, that's not possible or I don't believe you. But I'm always so confused because wouldn't it be such great news to tell, to find out that you can eat more fruit? You just have to lower your fat intake. Like I would much rather eat a plate of a bunch of different fruits than eat a plate of a bunch of different nuts. Like eating a plate of nuts doesn't even sound good. It sounds like a stomach ache. So I find it funny that if you're told you can include fruit in your diet, you just have to lower fats. Um, that people still don't want to hear it. So the last negative effect that fats have on our body that we're just going to discuss is dehydration. Fats are dehydrating. The gut has to draw water from other organs to help to begin to break them down. Kind of like when we eat cooked foods, we have to draw water from other organs to help break it down. And so then the liver has to come in and produce bile. And this process is really dehydrating. It's okay in moderation for the liver to produce bile, but not too much. The liver doesn't want to have to overproduce bile or produce a bunch of bile at every meal. Um, That's going to cause it to become stagnant and sluggish. And fats are also dehydrating because, as I said, they thicken your blood. And when the blood is thick, it doesn't carry much oxygen. And this impacts brain function and the function of all our other organs. So when we don't have a lot of oxygen in our blood, we're more in a state of dehydration. And if our bodies are dehydrated by just 2%, 
it impairs um, our optimal brain function. So if you want really good brain function, you need to make sure your body is adequately hydrated. And how do you do this? You do this by eating lots of raw vegetables, fresh fruits, fresh juices, coconut water. Drinking plain water is not going to do it. it. It helps on a surface level, but it doesn't help hydrate on a deep cellular level. And when I'm talking about hydration, I mean deep hydration, like the hydration of all of our cells and vital organs. So make sure that that's how you're focusing on hydrating your body, not just by drinking a gallon of plain water a day. Yes, it's helpful to drink water, but a better way to look at it is try to drink a gallon of liquid a day. And that liquid can consist of plain water. It can consist of coconut water. It can consist of fresh juices and fresh fruits and vegetables and even smoothies. All of that can be added toward your gallon of liquid consumption a day. And the last thing that I'm going to point out is high protein diets. So if you're thinking that, oh, I don't need a high fat diet, that I don't need to know this, it's important to know that high protein diets are also high fat diets. And this is because almost every high protein food is inherently high in fat also. And so this includes eggs, chicken, nuts, seeds, milk, cheese, fish, beef, bacon, tofu, and even more foods than that. Basically, any food that is a protein source is also a fat source. So when you're eating a lot of protein, you're also eating a lot of fat. That's really important to realize because most people don't realize that. And so some of the foods, say like eggs and dairy, those are best avoided because of the ways that they do contribute to chronic illness and chronic symptoms. And um, especially eggs, they do feed pathogens, they feed cancers, they feed tumors. You know, I typically recommend people to just cut out eggs entirely, um, even if you're not really dealing with any health issue. When it comes to dairy, you can make that choice for yourself on your individual situation. Um, you know, raw milk is going to be the best source of dairy to consume because our liver is able to um, process raw milk. The other forms of dairy, it has a harder time processing. So if you want to keep dairy in your diet, I would say do so um, through raw milk form. And again, I'm not saying cut out all protein sources or cut out all fat sources. You just want to make sure that they're not dominating your diet, that that's not the main part of your diet. You want to make sure that the bulk of your diet is going to be glucose-rich foods, so fruits, potatoes, winter squashes, and then vegetables. Some vegetables are higher in glucose than others, but you know, you'd still want vegetables and all those other foods to be much a much bigger part of your diet than fat sources and protein sources. And we get so caught up in protein, and I did an episode all about how we don't need as much protein as we think, and you should definitely listen to it if you haven't already, because protein is so overrated, at least when people think we need to be eating all this protein. We really, we, we don't. Our bodies can only use so much protein, and then when we are consuming more than it needs, it's just going to store it as body fat. And protein, it's... It's such an important nutrient that it's impossible not to get enough of. Protein is in literally every single thing we eat. And if you're eating enough food, if you're eating enough calories in a day, you're going to get adequate protein. The only cases of protein deficiency that are recorded or that have been seen is in people who aren't eating enough calories on a daily basis and in countries where there is an issue with mal malnutrition and not having enough food. 
Um, but in people who are eating enough food, there is not been a case of protein deficiency. So don't worry about not getting enough protein. Um, if you're eating enough, you'll be getting enough protein. So to wrap things up, fats take a lot of energy to break down. And fats only contain a tiny amount of micronutrients in them anyway. And we can get all we need from a fat source by just having a handful of nuts or seeds daily. You don't really need much more than that. That's not to say that maybe some days you're going to consume a little more fat than you normally do. And that's that's totally fine. Like there are days where I do eat more fat than I do most of the time. Like I will have something that has avocado and maybe coconut meat, um, you know, and I'll eat more avocado than I normally do on a normal day. That's okay once in a while. You know, you don't have to freak out about that. But you want to make sure that, you know, 90% of the time you're not overeating fat and you're limiting it to, you know, not, not having it at every meal. And eating too many fats has more negative impacts on the body if you're not careful. And there's plenty of evidence supporting that there is such thing as eating too much fat. But there's no evidence supporting that there's such a thing as eating too much fruit. And it's funny because still more people would rather eat a diet that's high in fat than high in fruit when there's so much evidence showing that eating a high fat diet is harmful. Um, And so now that you know more of the negative effects of eating a high fat diet, hopefully you can kind of pinpoint, um, you know, in your own diet um, and lifestyle if you're eating too much fat. Um, And again, if you are unsure and you're experiencing symptoms, I would love to work with you one on one because there's only so much that I can convey in a podcast, especially, you know, with tailoring stuff to each individual case. Um, that's definitely more doable in one-on-one coaching sessions. So if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, definitely send me an email at tdnutritioncoaching at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.